welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined, I mean, virtually, like most other weeks, but uh, from another state uh, by Duane. Yeah, I'm in my home state, uh, same state I'm always in. Sebastian, where are you at? I am in Raleigh, North Carolina, Duane. Um, so Man. I was going to bring this up later, but I guess we can just talk about it now because that makes it easier, too. So, yeah, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm in my first in-person meeting for my B license. Um, so I am in week three of my in-person. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Uh, day three. Uh, it has felt like a week, uh, even though I've only been here since Tuesday. Uh, I feel like my brain is slightly uh, more mush than it was before. Um it's it's really cool though. It's it's been a really cool learning experience um, to to really dive deep into into the implementation, the practice planning, and and all that part of it. It's been really cool to meet other people and share ideas, um, and talk and and have connections with people that that you know. Uh, for example, like one person, one other uh, coach that I'm in my groups in a lot of my groups with, he knows Kyle graves um interesting they, yeah yeah interesting yeah so he's from he's from utica new york and kyle you know kyle lived in that area as well so they all know each other which is kind of cool um so you know i'm i'm excited it's been a it's been a fun um it's been a fun week so far um i was able to coach the first night uh which was interesting um i was always able i was also able to observe um so it's been it's been really cool to watch it's been definitely more um uh definitely extremely objective um it's an extremely objective environment less less subjective it's less of the term of like you know how did you how did your set how did you did you accomplish your goals there is no well i felt like we did i did this no you didn't feel you either did this or you didn't do this. The pass uh, or you fail. No, there's no pass and fail this week. Uh, it's really about Not the this growth week. Uh, it's it's about the growth part of it. But um, I will say that that it does open your mind to to being uh, critiqued or finding areas of improvement, um, which is always an interesting environment. Um, but in certain certain moments, I felt comfortable. Certain moments, I felt extremely uncomfortable, and and uh, and I've questioned a lot of things, which or, or questioned the things of myself, which is good though. I mean, it's ultimately how you learn, right? Um, so it's just, an say, just say it, man. You question what Chad tells you. I do question what, what Chad tells me. Let's listen. Let's flat out say that like, uh, I will one hundred percent question what Chad tells me. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I was a struggle it, with the D course. I was like, man, I'm working with Chad, I'm good. Like everybody knows Chad, and it's like, man, what is this guy teaching? You got to change everything. <laughs> no such thing uh, as a rondo no no it's not directional it's not game like there's no yeah um so no definitely an, an interesting environment the idea the new basically the big change from uh when i took my c license in 2019 or 2018 with with soccer dan um has been the implementation of oli in the teaching methodology so orientation learning implementation um, so from that perspective, it really just looks at the approach on how you coach your players and, and in each activity, um, setting your players up for success, which ultimately would include the idea that um, you would, as you are coaching your team, um, you are trying to make sure that the opposition is really good. So basically, you've identified the problem. In order for you to, to get to that problem, you have to get your opposition to be really good. So that way, then you can go and solve the problem with your team. Absolutely. So, you can't go in there with saying, hey, my, my team is number one in God's soccer. We don't lose games. We win all of our games 8 nothing. And well, say, no, it's I not don't even, have this problem. Well, no, it's not even that. It's like, let's just say you found the problem. It's more about the idea that like when you go into that specific activity, you can't just go in with the focused players and be like, all right, we're going to do this if you've never set up the opposition, um, which is an interesting dynamic. It's a, it's a little bit of a, of a shift from what I think it was before where you really only focused on your focus team. So now we're, this is taking a step back and focusing on things. So again, 
Really cool environment. I think focusing on your opposition makes you smarter. Like, it, like you just kind of play mind games with yourself. Something yeah. I did in my session last night. I was just playing mind games. I was is playing it, myself. Is it basically like playing chess with yourself, right? Like, you know how people play chess against themselves? Yeah, it's like, I've never understood how you could do that, but, uh, but other people find themselves really competitive. Um, so I was literally um, playing soccer against myself with my teammate training last night. Yeah, it's funny. And I, I, would, I would just give myself a tie. Nobody yeah. won, nobody lost. <laughs> so um so no really 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 cool really cool experience so i'm excited to to kind of share some of what i've learned um with with the staff when we get when i get back and i'm also excited to continue to learn because ultimately this is i'm only halfway through the process i'm not even done yet um so i still got another two months worth of work to do um in another in-person meeting so so really excited so uh what else is going on let's see um going on in delaware uh well you we got i mean you've been preparing for a tournament yeah we got the talk about that union futsal cup coming up saturday for the boys sunday for the girls and men um it's gonna be exciting uh we were joking about this earlier when i when i come up with the tournament schedule i like to see some excitement playoffs are exciting um especially i like i like adding a lot of teams to the playoffs because even though you want to see the best teams win, it's almost like March Madness. Like, who didn't play well in their round robin games and is motivated to like come in from that seven seed and just create an upset and go to the final? Like, I think that's cool too. So we have a couple age groups that are set up that way. Um, but yeah, we have a good a good amount of teams coming in. Um, I think the competition level should be pretty evenly matched. Some teams maybe getting challenged. Some teams. Um, just maybe fine tuning some things. So looking forward to it this weekend. I know one of our 2009 girls teams, uh, is getting some, uh, time in the facility tonight. Get used to, I think all three of them are all three, the entire, all three of them scattered, scattered times are getting, um, yeah, getting prepared that way. I know, uh, Kyle Graves, uh, was training the 2008 girls. He, he's got, he had the, um, the quick goal field map that we used for the diamonds this summer, showing the girls the lines and teaching the rules and putting on the shoes himself and trying to show them some fancy things. Nice. Absolutely lasered a shot on Gracie. She parried it away though. It was too easy. Uh, to nice. Um, no, I'm looking forward got, to it. I might, I might break my record of how many, uh, how many, um, oh, you're definitely going to break your record. How many games I coached in one day. I'm pretty sure I will coach every single time slot. Hey, I got an easy, you know, you make the schedule, you make your teams. Yeah, no, it's good for you. You can, and you I'm can pretty sure that I'm pretty sure I have like a couple, I got a couple of conflicts. You think I can determine director can hook me up, you know, 72 hours before the tournament. The schedules are final. Oh, all right. Well, well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know what else is going to be fun? Uh, Monday, uh, Monday, our summer camps registration is open. We'll be open yes. on Monday. Uh, but I can announce the summer camps here. So summer camps will be announced here first. So you'll have the this kind of the so same. If you thing. listen to the podcast, you're you're on the you're in the know. You might have to, right. might have to throw a little promo code in there for like five dollars off or something. Yeah. Um, all right. So here is what we got coming up uh, for this summer. Uh, we got three three day camps uh, with a full day and a half day option, June twentieth to the twenty third. Uh, Ju- July 18th through the 21st and August 8th through the 11th. Uh, we got camps there. Uh, we also got discovery camps coming up in July. We got diamonds camps coming up. We got, we got all kinds of camps. Uh, so ultimately um, you want to check out our website, DelawareUnion.com for that information that will be coming out. Like I said on before on Monday, summer camps are going to be, uh, on our website so and yeah summertime is right around the corner so you want to hop on it and they're also going to be on on social media right all that's going to be information to me on social media so facebook.com slash reunion on instagram at delaware union soccer and on twitter at de union soccer um don't wait sign up now don't wait for sure do not wait um, while you're at delawareunion.com Make sure you register for our recreational and discovery programs. That sure. season starts in less than a month. You know, our first round of games are coming up a- April 2nd. It's March 3rd. So 
I mean, his practice is only like three weeks away. Yeah. Teams are being built. Numbers are growing. We're, we're looking good on numbers. Um, over 400 kids right now for the recreational program. Over 150 for the discovery program. So we're growing. Um, so make sure you check out our webpage, our social media. You get registered for the recreational season because, you know, number, we're, we're almost back to pre-pandemic levels. That's awesome. That's great. All right. So this week uh, we have another recording from our, from the convention. Uh, this one, I don't think you were there for. Um, so I interviewed Dan Abrahams. Uh, Dan is a sports psychologist. Um, and when I say sports psychologist, um, I, I, it, that's almost putting it lightly. Um, he might be one of the best sports psychologists. Um, he wrote multiple books, uh, talks about, uh, grit. Um, it, it's sitting down with him, uh, was, was really cool. Uh, he, we talked about why performance happens and, and things like that. And, and he talks about like, what we can do as, as coaches and to help our players and how we need to understand our psychology. Um, so mental toughness is, is a big part of his, uh, his, his philosophy. So um, he gives us a podcast and we, we kind of talk about that as well uh, for a little bit, but, or we mentioned that. Um, so I'm going to give you a quote. Give you um, when you're done with your quote. Uh, Soccer Tough by world-renowned sports psychologist Dane Abrahams changed my life. The book explains how we all have the ability to perform when the pressure is at its highest. You just need to unlock it. You know who said that? Dane Abraham. Gareth Bale. Gareth. Gareth he Bale. Be, he needs to be mentally tough on that golf course that Gareth, he's on. Gareth Bale is, uh, is a big fan of Dane Abrahams. So... And we got to sit down with him. It was really cool. So we'll we'll listen to that now. All right. We are here with Dan Abraham. Uh, he is a sports and performance psychologist. Uh, Dan, let's start off with what, what does that mean? Oh, wow. Big question. Big question because it's really, really broad. Uh, I suppose people think about sports psychology in terms of performance, helping uh, athletes, players, participants, um, I suppose high perform, uh, perform more consistently, perform under pressure, and that's absolutely one of the things I do. I, I, I help players develop their mental skills. That's that's a big part of what I do. But um, uh, you know, given that uh, psychology is essentially about our brain and our nervous system, I would argue that everything, everything uh, within coaching process and practice, every experience we have in and around our our, uh, our sports that we we uh, participate in, you know, psychology is related. I always say that biopsychosocial, so that's the biological, psychological and social aspects. Because, you know, yeah, let me take a step back actually here. Human beings, uh, the way we function as humans, our behaviours are, 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 are driven by, are influenced by our biopsychosocial and an interaction between the three. Well, biopsychosocial is happening all the time. Every single activity, every single session, every single conversation, every single piece of communication in our silence, in our body language, in our behaviour. Right now, as we're talking, biopsychosocial is happening all the time. So I'm a sports psychologist who is absolutely interested in performance, but I'm also interested in participant engagement. I'm interested in um, learning, skill acquisition, coaching science. Psychology is all thrown into the mix. So it's very broad, to say the least. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's. Uh, I mean, it, I would. I would say that, that would be a little hard to put on on a on a on, on, <laughs> on a card. On a card, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I do all of this. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about your session that you did yesterday. Self-determined players. Yes. What is what, what, what is, that, is and that? How, and how did it go? Um, yeah, it went. Look, I I, I suppose I'm my own uh, biggest uh, critic. So it kind of went okay. Uh, I think uh, uh, feedback was was positive. Uh, we had some uh, visual audio challenges where, which meant I had to use all of my techniques on myself in that moment <laughs> to calm myself down. Um, but we had a a, a, a a good attendance and we got the uh, audience involved, which I think we don't do enough of. We tend to deliver at people rather than include uh, them, and th that I suppose 
is a neat segue onto you know what um, autonomy supportive uh, uh, coaching is and self-determined players helping players be more self-determined that was very much the topic um, of the uh, presentation uh, or the facilitation um, so so really just introducing coaches to this notion of biopsychosocial and we might have learning outcomes that are technical tactical and physical um, but we can all, always always strive to have objectives that are biopsychosocial as well and when we think of biopsychosocial we're talking about concentration and motivation and observation and learning and communication and all the kind all those kind of factors that that uh, one perceives to be synonymous with psychology now so there's that piece to it. Um, now, if we take that motivational piece, at the heart of biopsychosocial for me is, is motivation. We want our participants, clearly we want our participants to be motivated, being, uh, being that they, can, they choose to be involved, that they um, put effort into their involvement, and they persist in their effort and their involvement. That's really what motivation is. Well, if we put, if we put motivation at the heart of biopsychosocial, what we know from 50 years of research is that motiva motivation is at its highest quality when we are intrinsically motivated okay well what that means is when we are motivated to do something for the pure pleasure of it when we we want to do it because we find it interesting um, uh, and we find it enjoyable so think about that as a coach how can you turn up the volume of interest how can you turn up the volume of enjoyment and what we again we know from research to to help players become intrinsically motivated rather than rather than extrinsically motivated and it's not to suggest that extrinsic 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 factors if I can say extrinsic aren't motivating but they are of less quality so I can have a desire to win I can have the desire to high perform but they are that motivation is much more fleeting than intrinsic motivation so we really want to internalize it but how do we do that there are three sources of that providing greater a sense of greater autonomy mm -hmm. uh, providing uh, a sense of competence and providing a sense of relatedness so in terms of autonomy getting your players involved feeling giving them the the, the feeling that they are involved giving them choice um, giving them the opportunities to drive certain things so that involvement piece is really really important competence is we don't want our players to feel completely incompetent uh, so setting tasks and challenges that they feel wow I can't do this I feel competent we want them to have feelings of mastery but at the same time we don't want them that we don't want our activities and our tasks and our challenges to be so simple and so easy uh, that players get bored right. so there's a there's a sweet spot of competence there and then relatedness that involvement to me needs to include collaboration players working together a sense of teamship a sense of leadership a sense of relationship all that stuff thrown in there so the th those three sources basically this is built on the work of two psychologists Edward Desi and Richard Ryan and they created this theory um, self-determination theory people who are self-determined have a higher quality of motivation and what the literature in sport suggests is that these three areas autonomy competence relatedness drives more of that intrinsic feeling which drives motivation uh, and that, that gives us a better opportunity for optimal engagement optimal learning and optimal performance so it, as you say that right so we so you know we we deal with players at times at the youth level um, who the the noise right if we look at the communications part of it the noise that comes in from the outside hmm. example parents family members ourselves as coaches um, at times can be negative hmm. or at times it seems like there's a lot of pressure even if it's um, subconsciously put out there, right? Mm. We in turn, we all say we're doing things for the right reason and we're all in for the kids, right? Mm. But the kids might not interpret that the same way. Yeah. Um, so what, what does a player do mm. when it comes to mistakes, right? So because yep. we can, I think we can all agree that mistakes are, are part of the reason why we learn, yep. right? Yep. But Absolutely. everyone's afraid of making them. Yep. Yep. So what can what can players do to accept the fact that mistakes are part of life and, and, and what can also maybe adults do yeah. 
to show their players yeah. that mistakes are important. Well, let's start with the coach. And obviously, the, the, the low-hanging fruit here is, is for me to say that uh, as, as a coach, um, your communication is uh, imperative. And, and so simply communicating that notion, I know that sounds, we're starting very simply here, but simply communicating that notion that mistakes are okay is important. And I think that message is filtering through um, globally. Um, and I think more and more uh, coaches are, are being more patient and giving and and actually providing environments where um, uh, challenges are set so players are inevitably going to make mistakes and and coaches um, are, are, are helping players understand and parents understand that that is part of, of the process of improvement um, absolutely um, of, of course I, I think it's also important to understand that you can be saying that and yet the interpretation of the player will be dependent on their own individual perception of mistakes so you as a coach can insist that mistakes are okay and they're part of the journey and it's part of the process and it's an inevitable part of learning but players themselves might have their own lens whereby they find no matter how much you say it they find mistakes unacceptable and they don't like it and they get self-conscious about those mistakes and what I'm, what I'm going to say here isn't always uh, the solution, but one solution is to make sure that um, players have, or to help players have mental skills that enable them to, once they've made a mistake, shift their attention back on to uh, uh, useful things to think about or focus on, um, rather than dwelling on the thought of the mistake or dwelling on the emotion that they're experiencing as a consequence of making that mistake. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, my passion is to demystify this area around mental skills and to uh, provide players uh, with simple mental skills to help them shift their attention onto the right things, to self-regulate and to help coaches to help players. So, for example, I have um, a technique that I talk about a lot called game face. And what a game face is, is your optimal mental state. And it's just simply a very, it's a couple of action-based words. Um, this is part of a game face. I won't go through the whole game face and I'll tease people by saying pop on to, on, onto my website and perhaps explore my website to, to, to see the complete picture around a game face but part of a game face is to have a couple of action based words um, based on you at your best think about you at your best what does that look like what does that feel like what do others see when you're at your best and then break that down what you're picturing right now you at your best break that down to um, a couple of action based words um, so it might be, for instance, one of my clients in the Premier League played in the Champions League final uh, a couple of years ago and he had a game face of relentless and dominant, relentless and dominant, because he said to me, Dan, when I'm at my best, I'm relentless. I'm relentless with the runs and the movements that I make. I'm relentless with a positive attitude. I'm dominant. I'm dominant in the challenge. I'm dominating my space in and around me. So relentless and dominant. And so when he goes into a game, he's focused on being dominant, relentless, dominant, relentless, dominant, relentless. He's picturing that. He's thinking about that. He's thinking about every, executing every action, every motion, every movement, dominant, relentless. If he makes a mistake, dominant, relentless. If his cross goes into row Z, dominant, relentless. If he misses a chance to score, dominant, relentless. If they go a goal down, dominant, relentless. So what he's got are these linguistic cues that he can embody and enact when he needs to, when he needs to get back to something that is positive and practical and associated and meaningful to him and associated with the task at hand, the game at hand. That game face, any coach can help a player have a game face and any team can identify themselves around a game face what do we do here in our team we have game faces we might make mistakes but we get back to our game face we might go a goal down but we're going to get back to our game face and we're going to help each other we're going to collaborate on this autonomy supportive um, uh, self-determined players we're going to collaborate on this create cohesion around this we do game faces so there's a whole raft of biopsychosocial factors thrown into the mix here if we start with mistake and we can broaden it out um, so that's what I would say well, there's also that sense of belonging at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's huge because... The relatedness. Yeah, they're, they're a big part of their own... They, they're part of their process. Yeah. Their own, and they're helping each other, right? Yeah. And it feels good to help, to help other people. Absolutely. Right? It helps. It, it's yeah. good. And I think at times, at the youth level, um, depending on, on the levels, actually at every level, I think there's a sense of competitiveness. Um, where do the... Where do the it, all right, so before I go to that question, so I you were, you were talking about... You were talking about this, and you were talking about working with with a player in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and what kind of popped into my head? I don't know if you've watched the show Ted Lasso, mm. um, but 
part of season two was big on sports psychology. Yeah. It, it was a big part of, of being vulnerable. And I think in, everybody in the soccer community, I think, likes the show and enjoys the show. I think everybody from outside the soccer community, it's like, oh, my God. I knew you weren't really doing anything when you were coaching soccer. Anybody could coach soccer, and it, yeah, right. So there's a little, there's, oh, a little yeah. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. But but I think one of the things that the the show could has kind of taught or, or, or at least shown a little bit um, of is the idea that it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. And vulnerability is a it's a tough word mm. at times. Mm. Uh, I actually don't know if I can spell it if you, <laughs> if you quiz me right now. But I but I know the word. Um, but vulnerability. At the youth level, hmm. is hard, but I think vulnerability hmm. is hard because, from a parent standpoint, this will be the segue into the parent question. Hmm. From a parent standpoint, again, if we're looking at the, the different generations of parents, the idea of being vulnerable, hmm. depending on the age of, of a parent, hmm. it's probably not something they're used to. Hmm. So, where does vulnerability fit hmm. into this entire thing? How long have you got here? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a big question. Uh, let me start it by saying that vulnerability is difficult for people because as human beings we've evolved to strive to get along and get ahead um, in our youth social communities in our community spaces spaces you know it, ultimately I suppose the meaning of life is is, is, is is to survive and procreate if you like well how do we do that we've got to strive to get along we've got to use our skills we've got to use our personality our behaviors to strive to get along and get ahead and so this idea of uh, expressing of expression of vulnerability is a very subtle way of getting along and getting ahead it come, kind of comes under more of the rubric of um, altruism and, and, and much less of an overt I'm great I've got these skills I'm here I'm better than you I'm the leader it, 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 it's much more subtle and, and, and vulnerability enables us uh, as individuals and as a, as, a, as a group to be able to improve our capacity to self-regulate. But self-regulation is important because, again, if we come back to we've got to strive to detect how we're going to get along and get ahead, we've got to self-regulate uh, within our group because self-regulation helps us to execute skills and things like that. So I, I'm hoping this makes sense because this sounds like quite a profound uh, answer, I know, but it, it is important to recognize that. You've asked me why people don't like to be. It feels uncomfortable to be vulnerable. Um, so whether one can actually get over that hurdle or not, whether one feels it's worthwhile to start explaining that kind of thing to themselves and to parents, I, I don't know. I suppose I'm putting my psychologist cap on and giving you a, a deeper answer there. But what I try to do is try to normalize um, unhelpful, negative, and destructive inner thoughts, feelings, emotions, motivations, sensations. I want coaches, people, to understand that human functioning is more than the interpersonal behaviors that we see, it's the intrapersonal that's driving and influencing those interpersonal behaviors. And so I want people to understand, coaches to understand, players to understand, potentially parents to understand, that part of normal functioning, and actually part of useful functioning, are negative thoughts feelings, emotions, um, motivation, sensations, without negative, unhelpful, what can feel like destructive um, qualities, internal qualities. We wouldn't have survived as a species. They exist to help us get along and get ahead. So it's perfectly normal. And so I want to normalize that, uh, these, these thoughts and feelings and sensations and emotions. And how I might do that is not necessarily take the deep dive like I'm doing here but just simply to say let's normalize this by calling these ants ants is an acronym for automatic negative thoughts okay and when I say ants I'm let's broaden this by saying that incorporates feelings and emotions anything that I, ex I experience these these things happen to us worry doubt anxiety a drop in confidence low mood these are thoughts feelings emotions motivations that happen to us we've evolved for these things to happen to us let's normalize that that's what's going to happen and let's label them let's call these ants 
Now we're gonna make it our business to accept that we're gonna have ants. Every single person, no matter how much skill you've got in your feet, you're gonna have ants. And we're gonna to work together to squash these ants. I'm gonna help you as an individual to squash your ants. I'm gonna create a coaching practice with coaching processes that incorporates the notion of ants, that helps players to squash their ants, and then we're gonna do this collaboratively, we're gonna do this collectively, and we might get parents involved. I wanna help parents, and I, and I understand the notion that, look, there's so much complexity with human beings, you're not necessarily gonna onboard every single parent here. You're gonna get parents who go, no. No, right. I, I'm not in on this, not for my son or not for my daughter. And well, that, that's tough, that, that is hard. Um, but if you can get, if you can onboard some parents to say, what we do here, what our identity here, we're gonna do game faces. We're gonna squash our ants. We're gonna get passionate about doing this. We're gonna be, we know we're gonna have ants. We're gonna squash these ants mega quick. When we go play a tough opposition, we can go and play an easy opposition. When we go across the state, when, we, when we've, we've got a pitch that's a field that's awful, when we've got weather that's really bad, no matter when we're top of the league and we're facing bottom of the league, or bottom of the league and we're facing top of the league, no matter who, what, ha what, what our context is, we're gonna squash our ants, we're gonna play in our game face, get game faces. You know, that to me demystifies this stuff. It helps us to express vulnerability in a manner that, um, we're normalizing ants. That's okay, fine, we're gonna have ants, that's cool. We're gonna squash them quick. So that's how I would be, that's, that would be my entry point. And that's how I suggest coaches, normalize it within your coaching practice. It's okay for you as a coach to insist, that's what we do here. Right. If as a parent, that's not what you want, then by all means you have the power to go downtown and go, 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 go somewhere else. But I want to coach players holistically. I want to coach players through the lens of biopsychosocial because then I know I can help them engage. I can keep them engaged. Then I know I can help them be better learners. I can help them grow as people. Because your, your young son or daughter uh, needs to build the capacity to squash their ants in and around their school presentations, in and around their interviews, in and around their social um, environment, in and around their familial environment. They need to have the capacity to squash their ants and think flexibly in the future. That's how I'm, I'm not just gonna stand there and insist on attitude, effort and energy. I've got a war against that and that's my presentation tomorrow. A war is a strong thing to say. Let me go on back <laughs> on it. I respect people's viewpoints, but we need a more, uh, a more sophisticated relationship with human functioning we need to understand we experience these we can't necessarily control our attitude effort and energy but we know what we can do is understand that these are our characteristics and these are competencies and these are skills and we need to find ways to help people develop these uh, broaden their skill base around these so that people can take charge of their attitude effort and energy even when it's difficult for them to do so because as human beings sometimes it is yeah oh man um a lot, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, I think you, there's so much <clears throat> to be said about the, the idea of that the, the vulnerability part, right? I think that to, to, to word that we bring up a lot, and it's something that from our from our club perspective, we talk to our parents about the fact yeah. that like, yeah, we're <clears throat> if you're looking for us to just say, hey, listen, we're gonna make your kid better at a b and c technical component of the game or tactical component of the game that's not all we're going to do right okay. at the core of our mission we're, we're trying to build better members of society in general through soccer that's that's our platform in soccer okay i love that message so what there's there's i feel like there's at a point there's a lot of information out there right <laughs> there's a lot of information the internet the internet social media yep there's the, there's the social media pressure that the kids have at times and, and body image and all these other parts of it. Um, but at, at what point do parents or can athletes or, or youth athletes start this, right? At, at what point is there is it developmentally appropriate yeah. to, start, to start the idea of it? Well, let, let, me, let me start by saying I, 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 I wouldn't, um, you know, I, I get emails 
uh, every day globally and I do get emails saying my six-year-old son or daughter needs <laughs> to work with you and, and I, I, what, I, what I do with those is I say no I need to work with you if you want some gu- if, if you want guidance I want to guide you and, and, and help you understand the, the, the human functioning landscape um, to help you uh, be a more psychologically informed parent um, so, so there's that what I would say to you is if you're a coach all this starts biopsychosocial it starts from birth of course it starts before birth um what we know is from personality development science is that there's a five to seven shift in as much as once um children as young as five years old uh at that age range they start to become more aware of the world around them in terms of you know i have uh likes and wants and needs and 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 goals and as they reach the age of six and seven they start to understand that others do in their landscape as well and so uh, human functioning within societies is a, a balance of cooperation and competition and all these kind of things and 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 it really does start that early it really does start that early and so as a coach it's important to understand that you can do things every 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 behavior matters every piece of every word matters every every coach behavior every coach bit of feedback your activities matter your 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 underpinning philosophy matters how you're trying to engage six-year-olds um you're you're, you're probably not uh, you know involved in the competitive piece at six years old and i hope you know you, you, <laughs> hopefully, uh, not. hopefully not so so but you're in you're, you're investing in, in engagement and engagement is a broad topic and so how do you help engage six-year-olds what have you got to do and a lot of that is biopsychosocial and a lot of it is your own coach behaviors and your own coach behaviors and feedback count the games you're playing you know what you're doing so so it starts young and look in my humble opinion um, I think if you're um, an eight-year-old it can be a lot of fun to squash ants why not why not have a, a fun soft introduction to the idea of squashing ants um, eight nine ten years old um, you uh, I think an eight nine ten year old can have some fun with game faces because you know part of a game face isn't just to use a, 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 a an action-based word it's also to have them you can have a model player so uh, an eight-year-old can have loads of fun being positive Messi or upbeat Ronaldo right. or something like that so there's all kinds of things that you can do I think part of the answer is understanding that coaching is biopsychosocial and and, and biopsychosocial is happening all the time, irrespective of age. And I think good coaches, no, great coaches, no matter the age and the context you're coaching in, bear that in mind um, to give young players the best experience they possibly can. Um, and they potentially have some very simple, fun tools and techniques that enable young people to start to experience the idea of self-regulation the experience the idea of best mental states you're not going to say those words to an eight-year-old of course you're not but what you know you're doing is you're giving them a biopsychosocial experience a psychological experience and that's important so one one final thought as you as you say that is so from a coaching education standpoint mm. um, do you think we are heading in a direction where where the idea of sports psychology, mm. the idea of how we coach players and, mm. and the words that we say and the, our actions, and are we getting into a place where that is going to be, I, I don't want to use the word standardized because I feel like that might be too, too strict and rigid, uh, but where that will become more available or more, are, are we heading in that direction? Because I feel like, and I've taken a lot of different coaching courses throughout, throughout my career, and we talk about how we coach the kids and what activities and things like that, but we never really talk about, at, at times we don't really talk about why we coach them mm. and, and how they're interpreting the way we're coaching them. Yeah. I'd like to suggest that we're getting better. Okay. I'd like to suggest that, um, you know, one has to appreciate that coaching is one of the toughest hobbies or professions you can engage in. Um, 
I'd like to I, I like to respect and appreciate that the vast majority, probably 99% of coaches are volunteers and they have jobs and they have a life and a family away from coaching and from their sport and so as coach educators, educators, as sports scientists, as sports psychologists, we have to be respectful of that, respectful of the resources or lack of that people have, experience, lack of that, 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 that coaches have. So we are coming from that landscape. Um, I think that, you know, with the proliferation of information on, online, on the internet, uh, continuing to increase over the last two decades, uh, coaches have more access to information um, and I think they are more and more paying attention to that information. I think probably on coaching courses we need to continue to offer courses that offer more holistic um, practices and processes and uh, holistic education. So I think there's that. And I think as time goes on, it will get better and better and better at that. Um, I think I'd like to suggest that we need to continue to knock down the, the door of critical thinking. Uh, I, I, I think that coaching um, development, coaching uh, courses need to take the shape and the form of helping people, helping coaches think critically about their practice more so than providing answers. You know, we can provide answers. For instance, uh, tomorrow, a big part of my message is just saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just being challenging here. I'm playing with ideas. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I want people to think. I want, I want, I want, uh, I want people to critique what they're doing. What am I doing? How am I doing it? And why am I doing this? it this way because there's multiple ways to do what you're doing of course there's a time to engage in controlled coaching of course there's a time to be autocratic of course there's lots of times to be directive with your coaching of, of course but what research has uncovered is is multiple ways to, to coach human beings to help them grow to help them to perform to help them to get engaged to help them to change behavior there's lots of sophisticated ways so and that only happens by helping coaches to critique what they're doing, in my opinion. So we need courses that are doing that alongside anything that gives people so-called answers. So I think it's getting better. We just need to keep chipping away. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that, that, as a coach, that is one of the hardest things is that self-reflection part oh, of it. Hugely, yeah. hugely. And I'm, I'm writing my next book at the moment, and the first chapter it's the least cool chapter, but it might be the, the most important. Um, it's still a cool chapter, but, uh, <laughs> but it's on self-skills. It's yeah. on self-skills, you know, uh, um, self-awareness, self-control, uh, self-reflection and self-development uh, would be the four. Other sites would include other self-skills, but those are the four I'm pinpointing. And I think your capacity to learn and grow, to if you've got 10 years coaching experience, rather than have 10 years of one year, um, uh, 10 times one years, right. I should say, I've actually got 10 years of growth. Right. Our capacity to have that is very much mediated by self-skills, in my opinion. So yeah, it's, it's so important. Awesome. Well, uh, before you go, mm. uh, you have a podcast yourself, mm. The Sports Psych Show. Mm. So can you tell us where we can find that? Yeah. So to, to be honest, just Google um, Sports Psych Show or Dan Abraham Sports Psych Show um, and you can find me at danabrahams.com uh, on Twitter my main account is at Dan, danabraham77 and my four books are, are Soccer Tough, uh, Soccer Tough 2, Soccer Brain and uh, Golf Tough um, so if you just Google my name you can find a lot of uh, free resources I would say 90% of my work I, uh, I, I give away for free so um, there's a lot of resources out there that I, that I put out there so you can find some stuff Perfect, Dan thanks so much for coming on today and uh, best of luck in the rest of the convention It's been an honour and a pleasure, thank you so much Thank you. All right, Dwayne, we're back. Uh, before we before we listen to Dan, uh, you said that uh, um, I have a quote. You, you said a quote, yeah. I have a quote by Philip Davis. He's a mixed martial artist, but we're not in mixed martial artists. We're in soccer. But I like I like this quote because um, the mental game is the entire game. The physical is only an extension of what you're capable of doing mentally. If you're fatigued mentally, your body is fatigued. If you're frustrated, your body is now fatigued and it isn't moving as fast and it doesn't look as sharp. 
mental toughness and the power of your mind is just really unbelievable. And I mean, I just like it because, you know, we say soccer is a thinking game. When you get tired and you can't move physically, you start to think the problem, right? Like, I know where my player is supposed to be. Where is he supposed to be? I know what open up with my front foot and play and two yeah. touch. Can I be mentally strong to carry myself through? Love that quote. Yeah. Get it tattooed um, on me. <laughs> it's a long quote. <laughs> no, <right? laughs> it's a big tattoo. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to move on to the player of the match. Um, player of the match. Uh, so I have two player of the matches. Actually, no, sorry. I, I have one, one player of the match. And then I have a special shout out at the end of the podcast. Uh, my player of the match goes out to Jesse Marsh. Yes, sir. Jesse Marsh uh, getting the, I mean, sad that Bielsa left. Uh, but at the same time, happy that Jesse Marsh uh, was, you know, got the nod for the job. So Jesse Marsh will be the, is the manager now of Leeds United. And, you know, they were rumored to get Brendan Aronson before he got the job. Now he's definitely getting Brendan. I think Aronson. the, I think the uh, papers are just being signed and he's, he's on his Packet, way. Package deal. Package uh, deal. Guys, my, my pick up Paxton too. There you go. Um, bring the entire family. Uh, you got a player of the match? Yeah, I got a player of the match. Uh, you know, the U.S. fans are going to boo me, but Javier Hernandez, a.k.a. Chicharito, um, L.A. Galaxy was playing on Sunday night, I think. Turned the game on for 30 seconds, flipping through the channels. Scores the game, winning goal. And the crowd absolutely went wild. Like, it's crazy what he's bringing to the L.A. Galaxy, you know, tapping into that Southern California, right on the Mexican border heritage. A lot of fans out there, passionate so, yeah, definitely want to play the match Chicharito just because welcome through the channels and he scores a goal. Keep it moving. That'll be a big topic of conversation for us for next week. Uh, the MLS and the MLS is back. Uh, not the MLS is back tournament, just the MLS is back. In the MLS is back. That was that was a years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I got a special shout out to but I can save it for the end of the podcast. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, on this day in soccer history, uh, March 4th. 1933. So we're going back a long time ago. Um, so Arsenal unveiled the new kit. So it was in it was the traditional, they had the traditional all red shirts, but uh the manager at the time, Herbert Chapman, uh, who was known as a great innovator, ordered the change to add the new uh white stripe to it. He thought. Uh, it would be easier for the players to see each other because of that little white, the white stripe would make it stand out more. Um, it was hard because, you know, uh, it kind of didn't really work out right away. Uh, the next Saturday they had, um, they lost. Uh, <laughs> they lost one nothing to to, uh, uh, to Liverpool. I was going to say, you're probably going to name a team that's at the bottom of No, 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 no. So basically, they beat Blackburn 8 with the without the white stripe. With the new stripe, uh, they lost one nothing. So, uh, but yeah. That's why so, Liverpool has the white stripe on their jersey now. So thanks, uh, thanks Herbert Chapman, uh, for that. So for all, all you uh, Arsenal fans, all you Gunners out there. You guys have been losing right. since 1933. <laughs> Liverpool right. fans are probably like, man, what's the oh, last time you man, guys do this? Again against Arsenal, man. You're just gonna you're just making fields fields really, really upset. Yeah, they do point. it to themselves. <laughs> um, all right, fair play of the week. Um, this is where I have two of them. Uh kind of well, well, I have one and then the other one's a special, like just kind of a tough thing. Uh so my first my player the, my fair play of the week goes out to uh uh Yuri uh uh, Vernadub. Uh, so he was, or he is the manager of Sheriff, uh, FC Sheriff, um, who this, we talked about this, that in the Champions League beat Real Madrid in the group stage of the Champions League in the first match. Uh, well, he went back to Ukraine, uh, to join the army to defend his country. So, uh, I thought, you know, again, we talked, we mentioned this last week about how we, we clearly don't don't approve with any of the stuff that's going on. Um, and we hope that they can find a resolution soon and that stops. Um, but, you know, congratulations to Yuri for, for having that commitment to his country. Yeah, so, the Ukrainians are committed. Yeah. 
So, uh, who is your fair play of the week before we move on to the, the uh, last little bit? Kind of two. Um, I know uh, the Stanford women's soccer team lost their goalkeeper from the. I was going to bring that. Team. Yep. I was going to bring that. Uh, up. So definitely want to shout out to the Stanford University Stanford women's soccer team. Um, hopefully everything's going well. They figure out what happened to their goalkeeper um, soon. But also want to give a shout out or a fair play of the week to the tournament directors, Alex Colt, uh, Joe Levon, um, and all the other tournament directors we go to because, man, I couldn't even imagine doing multiple brackets per age group, coaching conflicts. The only, reason them, why, the only reason why you don't get the player of the match this week is because the tournament hasn't happened yet. So in theory, you should get it next week. Pending, so then, depending pending how the tournament goes. Depending how the tournament goes, and maybe I get a shirt. If I win a shirt, I'm good. Or my team wins a shirt. Um, I know. I feel the same way. I felt like at the 3v3 tournament, all the coaches that were uh, had parents that play on the travel side were like, oh, great tournament because their team's won. <laughs> but if their teams had laws, they'd have been like, this tournament sucks. I know. Luis, Luis wasn't happy with you. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah. We'll so, see how he does this week. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, a uh, big shout out to, to Katie Meyer. Um, so, she was a Stanford goalkeeper. Um, she was a senior at Stanford. Um, it was really, she was a captain of the team as well. Um, I, I remember watching the 2019 final. Um, I remember watching her just be really, really good there. Um, in that, in that PK shootout, you know, making the first save. Um, so it was really sad. Um, so hopefully they, you know, they figure out what's happened and, and, you know, find, find some sort of closure. So shout out to the family and, uh, but yeah, so it's a, a little bit of a sad day when I found that out this morning, it was, it was very sad and not. Nah, yeah, it was it was disappointing. So, but yeah, but um, well, uh, Dwayne, next week we're back in Delaware. Oh, I got one more shout out. Yeah, you got one more shout, shout out. out to Alex Carrington from Philadelphia Union. I know he's a listener. There you go. Hook me up with some tickets. Nice. Actually, there you go, Alex. Out, actually, shout out to Hillary Martina because I just found out that we have season tickets to the Union this year. Oh, there you go. Nice. And then shout Perfect. out to me for buying a Subaru for one of the first like hundred or two hundred cars I get to park for free. Subaru Park. Oh, there you go. Nice. Well done. Way to go. Isn't that awesome? Way to go. Way to go. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.